Our spiritual theme for the month of December is awe. And really, there is so much for us, so much to cause us to experience awe in this time of year. We celebrate ancient stories of salvation, ancient stories of hope. In a few days, we will celebrate the miraculous return of the light as it slowly but surely begins to lengthen days which seem so very short right now. This morning, we're going to reflect together on the awesome and awe-inspiring power of community and how as community we come together in order to do good in our world. So our invocation this morning comes from the Reverend James Morrison, and it is called, Share Your Glorious Light with the World. Within each of our hearts, there is a most glorious light. Go forth and let it spark, help you understand what troubles both you and others. Go forth and let its light of reason be a guide in your decisions. Go forth and bring its ray of hope to those in need of help in both body and spirit, that they may find healing. Go forth and fan the flames of passion to help heal our world. Go forth and spread the warm glow of love, pushing back the darkness of the world. Go forth and share your glorious light. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, let me sow hope. And where there is darkness, let me bring light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Spirit of love, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. This beautiful prayer is commonly known as the prayer of St. Francis. Some of you may be familiar with it. It actually was probably not composed until maybe a thousand years after Francis died, but that's okay. <laughs> it has really true and powerful and ancient wisdom within it. I'll share with you that I first learned the words of this prayer, and I first learned to adopt this prayer as a spiritual practice when I entered recovery for alcoholism just about 35 years ago. And I was coming into a time in my life where in order to live the life that I believe I was meant to live, everything had to change, including the way I was accustomed to thinking about things 
not just me or not just the things, but just in general. So this idea of beginning to think about, beginning to pray for being who I wanted to be instead of needing what I needed from the world around me was a really deeply powerful and moving experience. And the truth is that 35 years later, I need reminders on a daily basis that this, this is the choice I want to make. It's like a muscle, right? When you exercise a muscle, it gets stronger. And when you don't, it gets weaker. And for me, generosity is, is that. It is a choice that not just makes me stronger, it makes me happier. I don't know how that works. I don't actually need to know how it works. I'd like to know how it works, but I don't need to know how it works. But it does. It does. Not, not too long ago, I was in a, checking out of a hotel room, and I have my routine with, with hotel rooms, and I was getting ready to leave a tip, and I looked in my wallet, and all I had were $20 bills. And the current chairman of the committee in my head said, that's too much. And so I stopped. And then the ranking member of the committee in my head said, what do you mean? Who says that's too much and who gets to decide? And what does it mean to be too much? On any given day, I make a joke about my committee, but the truth is there are those, you know, there is that tension, right? There's that, I struggle with that tension often. What is the right thing and, 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 and what is too much? The ranking member happened to win that particular argument on that particular day. And the truth is, never in my life have I regretted choosing generosity. Now, if I had needed that $20 bill to feed my children or to fulfill some other kind of really important need, it would have been a different story. But I'm at a point in my life where that is not the choice that I need to make. And I am really grateful for that choice. Because I've sat in the dark and I've sat in the cold because I didn't have the money to pay my bills. And I don't really love the idea of going back to that place. But that's not a choice I have to make today. I may have to make it again. There, there are no, gar no guarantees. The truth is I'm more afraid of an ungenerous, unloving life than I am of a month without utilities. I'm more afraid that I'll make the wrong choices and that they will build up after a period of time until that, that space inside, instead of growing and smiling, gets smaller and smaller. And that, you know, that can happen. That can happen with sadness and grief and for many reasons. So I just wanted to share with you 
But I, I actually try not to judge myself either way. I try to just observe and say, really? And my prayer, and I do pray. I know not everyone does, but I do. I do pray. I, I write. I do soul journaling every morning, and I ask, the spirit of love in the universe, who would you have me be today? What are you calling me to today? And the answer never is, I'm, I'm calling you to be fearful. I'm calling you to close up. I'm calling you to shut out the things that are uncomfortable. There's a meditation I subscribe to by the Reverend Galen Gingrich, uh, who's Unitarian Universalist minister in New York. And today's meditation of all things is all about saying yes. Funny how that works. (laughs) And so he says, say yes where you automatically want to say no because it's a busy season and there's already too much and blah, 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 right? (laughs) Say yes. Practice even just for today. Say yes. Say yes to everything. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Say yes and see how it feels. Amen. Oh, the order of service says the reading came after. I did it before. (laughs) (laughs) Will you help me welcome Elizabeth Ann Terry? (laughs) I think that this mobile mic is on, is it? Yes. Well, I am glad I said yes. (laughs) Thank you, Reverend Maria, for inviting me to be with this wonderful congregation. My name is Elizabeth Ann Terry, and this is not my first time here, actually. I came here maybe about 20, 25 years ago to a workshop uh, that your congregation was hosting for the Joseph Priestley District, and it was a development stewardship workshop called Asking Makes a Difference. Was anybody here that day? Remember it? Hands! Yay! <laughs> so let's give an amen for asking makes a difference. Amen. amen. I am still south of the Mason-Dixon line, so I'm going to call y'all southerners. <laughs> I'm going to be asking for some amens and some call and response. You down with that? Yeah. Woo! All right. We are good today. So sometimes I introduce myself as John and Thelma Terry's baby girl. Well, a baby girl's going to be 68 in a few weeks, and they've long gone to the reward. But, you know, I am still John and Thelma Terry's baby girl, and glad to be that because they, like, taught me how to do church. It was not in a Unitarian Universalist church, but it was a church. And I learned a whole lot, and I brought it with me. Can I get an amen? Amen. Woo! Oh, my name is Heaven. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, yes, I am your congregational giving specialist. And I say yours because it's my uh, honor and privilege to work for the Unitarian Universalist Association in the Stewardship and Development Department. So I bring you greetings from them and from our president, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray. Also bring you greetings from my congregation in Wilmington, wait for it, 
North Carolina, <laughs> where I'm delighted to have been a member for 10 years. And if I get honest about it, I am the first lady of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Wilmington, North Carolina, because my partner is the minister. And we're all glad about that. And we've been there 10 years. I, I moved from Pennsylvania. So like arriving here feels like home, sort of. And I flew into Philadelphia and took the 17-minute flight from Philadelphia to BWI. <laughs> I mean, that's like so insane. But anyway, it got me here. I'm staying in a lovely hotel. I got a rental car. And I am here with y'all this morning or as we say in Wilmington, with all y'all. <laughs> so I'm so delighted to be here. Also, as a way of introducing, um, I'm a member of the Board of Trustees of Forward Together, the Unitarian Universalist Justice Ministry of North Carolina. And I have this lovely soul because I am, isn't it lovely? Ooh. I'm one of the elders for Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism and uh, was gifted this in a surprise at the recent um, Harper Jordan Theological Symposium that was in St. Paul, Minnesota. Man, was it cold there. <laughs> oh my goodness, I had like, you know, on my travels this month, I, and last month, I had to buy a winter coat. It was like in Cleveland, and it was like 20 degrees. We don't get 20 degrees. <laughs> so I have a coat, and I'm so happy with it. But like, yes, Black Lives and Unitarian Universalism. But primarily, I am here to thank your awesome congregation for faithfully and generously sharing your abundance with other UU congregations through the annual program fund. Some of you may not know how that works, but when a congregation joins the association, it's a long word, Unitarian Universalist, Versalist Association of Congregations, when y'all join that, you make a pledge to like support other congregations. And it's not just about money. It's about doing things like hosting a workshop so that other congregations can learn how to be good stewards of their resources. And it helps other congregations. And your congregation has met that challenge and that pledge when resources allowed to your fairly compensating your staff, you are doing programs and services here, but your contribution, or I should say, and your contributions, help other congregations thrive. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. amen. All right, we're on a roll. We're on a roll. <laughs> so I'm glad to be here to honor all y'all. And one of the delightful aspects of my job is that I get to visit congregations. Like, wow. And it's not just about getting frequent flyer miles on, uh, you know, American Airlines. It's about, oh, I get to do this. It brings me joy. I feel on purpose when I'm visiting with all y'all. And I love talking about abundance. You know, like I grew up in this Baptist church, and at the beginning of the year, you got this box. Anybody know that box? Oh, yeah, hands up, nodding heads. And it had envelopes in it, one for each week, each Sunday, and one side was for the building fund, one was for the general operating expenses, and that's how I learned how to give. 
And my father was a steel worker for U.S. Steel for 45 years, and we didn't have a whole lot of money, but that was prioritized. What went in those envelopes each year? And back in the 50s, it was cash. Let's like figure out how we can do this this week. It was cash. I learned how that giving feels good. You know, so we give because it feels good. Hmm. I love talking about the spirituality of abundance and helping congregations to find and explore their path to generosity. Spirituality and abundance, two of my favorite topics. I could have also maybe titled this service, this time with you, of the spirituality of we are enough. Can you do that with me? We are enough. And even like more radical than that, we have enough. We have enough. Wow. We are enough. We have enough. We know enough. 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 Okay. So what is spirituality? If you look it up in a dictionary, it might be saying things like holiness, devoutness, or mysticism. What are some other words that mean spirituality to you? That's like a real question, so you can like share it with us or silently think about what spirituality means to you. Blessings. Blessings. Connectedness. Connectedness. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. The sacred. The sacred. Mm. Universe. Universe. Wholeness. 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 But, okay. Oh. <laughs> so what does it mean to be a spiritual person? <coughs> You know, to seek. To seek. Uh huh. Like all you sitting out there say, I'm spiritual but not religious, so speak up now. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean to be a spiritual person? You don't know everything. Oh my goodness. Say that again. You don't know everything. Oh, the perfect imperfection. Uh huh. To live in wonder. To live in wonder. Back there. Well, anything else? Putting the name to that which you feel inside your heart. Oh, okay. To be able to explore the unknown. Ah, to be able to explore the unknown. Thank you, thank you. Some thoughts on that concept of enough from Reverend Vale Weller, who is the Director of Congregational Giving at your UUA and, and my supervisor. And I quote from her, if one has no measure for how much is enough, it will be almost as though there is no such thing as enough. But I must ask each of us to answer this question. Have you figured out for yourself how much is enough. What are your physical needs for food, shelter, and clothing? And what do you choose to do with all of your resources beyond that? How do you know what's enough? 
if you've figured out what's enough, what do you do with your resources beyond that? How do you share that with others? I was uh, recently in a congregation and uh, asked that question. And one of the people gave this brilliant idea that I want to share with y'all. And that is, she knows that she has enough when she goes grocery shopping. And you know how supermarkets have the BOGO, the buy one, get one free, or, you know, I drink Pepsi, buy two, get three free at Harris Teeter. So, like, what she does is that she gives away the BOGO. Oh, like a simple thing to, like, measure, oh, I know I have enough, and I can generously give this to someone who is in need, somebody who's hungry in my community. And like a lot of you congregations, ours um, gives to um, a food ministry called Mother Hubbard's Cupboard. <laughs> hmm. How do you know when you have enough? What do you do with the extra or the excess or the abundance? Something that this congregation has done is to share with other congregations share with individuals and communities in your county, to share with members of the congregation that might be in need. I'm so happy to be able to contribute to your offering today. I have enough. I have more than enough. My partner would tell me I have too many shoes, but I don't think that's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, just saying. <laughs> so let's take a moment to celebrate the generosity of this congregation that when finances have, has allowed, has shared abundantly by generously compensating your staff and covenanting, covenanting to ensure the health and well-being of other Unitarian Universalist congregations. And you do this through the annual program fund, which I mentioned. <coughs> Each year, Congregations, most of them, <laughs> give to the annual program fund. And I just want to say how special it is that your congregation gives the amount asked. Some do not. A few congregations don't give at all. But I really love that y'all feel connected to the broader movement and want to ensure its health and vibrancy. Each year, these contributions are distributed in a, a number of different ways, and they make possible the programs and services that we depend on to grow and stay relevant as beacons of hope in our communities. These are programs such as the Tapestry of Life Span Religious Education Resources. It's side with love. It's love resists. It's the Green Sanctuary Program, it's ministerial formation, it's many publications of books and pamphlets and uh, our magazine, UU World. And like, we're very excited that the book published by Beacon Press, White Fragility, have you all read that? Okay, you can still read it, it's still possible. <laughs> it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for many, many weeks. Come see me to buy it at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> there you go. Available in your favorite bookstore. <laughs> 
and your contributions help to make possible congregational life staff in each of our five Unitarian Universalist regions. Before I worked at um, the Unitarian Universalist Association, and I've been there a little over six years, I worked for this Philadelphia PA-based nonprofit. See, I know how to say Philadelphia PA because I live down south, and they might think I mean Mississippi. But Philadelphia PA nonprofit called Partners for Sacred Places. And we worked with uh, congregations of all faiths around the issues of using their buildings as a tool for ministry. And specifically, we worked with uh, congregations that were in large, older buildings that uh, were built for a different time when churches were packed. But now they have like this small congregation, but they have a mission and a vision for their congregation and their community and aren't really clear how to partner with their community. And we helped them do that. And what I did in that agency was to run a, um, a capital campaign training program for congregations all over the country. We worked with um, either historic preservation organizations or uh, districts of different religious organizations like Episcopal Diocese and UU districts, back when the districts were really vibrant. And um, one of the key pieces of that is this calculating tool that is available to people who buy the workbook or go to the, to the training called um, Your Sacred Place is a Community Asset called the Public Value Tool. So like put a dollar amount on what you're doing with the community. You hear me say with, not for the community. And it was a way to celebrate skills, assets, and experiences, and programming that happened in your congregation. That's like really fascinating for me because we, we don't think about all of those things that we do. And that's like sort of a conversation internally for a congregation so that you go, yes, we are awesome. Look at all these things we're doing. But when you're trying to get money from outside sources, you can say, look at all these things we're doing and how we're connected to our community. And it really paves the way for support from outside institutions, including um, it's outside, but your UUA, if you want to get a grant there. And this concept of asset-based community development asset-based community development in which the program was grounded, examine the role that congregations play in their communities, but it really looked at the gifts, the assets, and the experiences, and how you can use them together to create something that you can't do alone. And that's really what congregations, voluntary communities are. What can we do together that we can't do alone? How can we pool our resources so that we can make an amazing impact on our community, on our faith? And examine the role that competition and individualism play in fostering the myth of scarcity. Competition and individualism foster the myth of scarcity. And I deliberately use the word myth because there is enough to meet all of our needs, all of our collective needs, all of our individual needs. So what might be the steps to an abundant spiritual life so that we can believe in the abundance? 
through experiencing joined gifts, experiences, and assets. Well, something central to all that is having a spiritual practice. My home congregation in Philadelphia, First Unitarian, um, had co-ministers when, when I was um, a congregant there. And one of them, the Reverend Dr. Holly Horn, um, like really stressed that, you know, we come together as a spiritual religious community to grow spiritually. But spiritual practice, there's that word in there, practice. You know, and you see me like walking around, you know, when I was in elementary school and we had those like report cards or like a little cardboard thing and on the bottom, it invariably said something like, Elizabeth would learn better if she could sit still. <laughs> I'm telling you that was not a possibility then and not a possibility now. So practice. You know, so like when I was first introduced to spiritual practice, I thought there was one way to do it. And that way was to sit cross-legged on a cushion for an hour. <laughs> saying, um, <laughs> not a possibility. But then I was introduced to the vision of Thich Nhat Hanh. And walking meditation, it's like, oh, I can do that. I can walk around, and every step is a prayer. Every step is bringing peace to the world. Every step is helping me be centered and rooted. I can do walking. So like that has morphed into like amazing things. And now, part of my ongoing spiritual practice is walking labyrinths. And so, if that's part of my ongoing spiritual practice, what did I do to get there? Well, I also love fiber and fabric arts, and so I made a labyrinth that like rolls up to be something about this size. Portable. I have no excuse. I can roll it out in my living room or my garage. If the weather's okay, in my backyard. So, you know, that's one of my spiritual practices, walking labyrinths and just walking in general. Gardening is another. Singing. I don't have that kind of voice, but I love to sing. It brings me joy. I think it's about the breathing. Spiritual practice of gratitude. Oh, there's enough. And I'm grateful for every day. Love to preach. And I love sharing love. Like, wow. Like, what if love were a spiritual practice instead of, like, negativity and hate? What's part of your spiritual practice? Again, that's one of those questions. What's part of your spiritual practice? Share with, share with people. Swimming. Swimming, okay. Running. Running. Uh-huh. Something else? Journaling, okay. Yes? <laughs> Listening? Yes. And then there was something here we didn't hear uh, behind? Encouraging others. Encouraging others, okay. Yes. Walking my dog. Walking the dog, okay. I remember like a song about that by Rufus Thomas back in the early 60s. Walking the dog was a dance. <laughs> okay, people of a certain age remember that. Somebody else? What's your spiritual practice? Music. Music, breathing. Cooking. Cooking. 
doodling. Okay. So like part of why I asked that question is like to invite y'all to find people who share your spiritual practice in your congregation and do them together. I'm part of um, a spiritual learning group called Wellspring and it's virtual. We uh, meet online in a Zoom call every other week. And one of the people is in um, the Pacific Western region. And he and I are going to try to figure out how we can take a walk together virtually, you know, like to both be on our phones or something at the ocean and, and, and do that together, combining assets, asset-based community development. Because like we are invited, encouraged, to grow spiritually and help others grow spiritually. Out of all of that comes abundance. Out of all of that comes generosity because we're feeling really fabulous about the congregation. We're feeling fabulous about ourselves and we wanna help each other grow spiritually as our third principle says. Hmm. How might this congregation the fabulous Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Harford County. Why, why do none of us have simple names? I don't know. <laughs> grow, how might you grow in acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth? Grow in the spiritual practice of abundance. Grow in the spiritual practice of generosity. I asked you to think on this question, pray on this question, Meditate on this question, walk on this question, doodle on this question, swim on this question. However you practice your spiritual life and dive deep into whatever your spiritual practice might be. Uh, the closing words I have for you are a poem written by a friend. But I want to say before I read that poem that I truly do believe in siding with love. And I believe that that is the answer to most of our challenges. The president of the Unitarian Universalist Association, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, tells us that this is no time for a casual faith. Can I get an amen? amen. This is no time for a casual faith. What would our congregations, communities, and nation be like if we stopped being so secretive non-sharing about our liberal, progressive, and radical Unitarian Universalist faith. Maybe I won't read the poem. Um, I'll send it to y'all. I think that might be better. What if we were bold, bodacious, fierce, and brave in giving testimonies to the good news of Unitarian Universalism to others? Amen. Imagine a world where we were not being casual about our beloved Unitarian Universalist faith. Imagine. Imagine that. I believe that our society where loneliness, isolation, competition, and fear rule, that living into the spiritual practice of generosity and abundance, we can transform our communities into ones where folks experience belonging, togetherness, cooperation, and hope. Imagine. I encourage all y'all to continue on your faithful path 
of generosity and of helping more folks find us and join us in co-creating a better world. May it be so. Amen. Amen. Blessed be. And Ashe. Beloved, we have gathered in peace. We have gathered in hope. We have gathered to celebrate once again. I invite you this week as you go forth after having your coffee and treats and shopping in the Christmas Bazaar, as you go forth, I invite you to carry in your hearts the evidence and the joy of your generous selves. I invite you to rejoice in what we can do together that none of us can do alone. And I invite you to say yes. Yes. Be blessed.